Um, I'm going to introduce our visiting preacher today. Let's bring him up. Mark, are you there? Can we go wait for yes. you? Yes, there you are. Hiya, Mark. Just lovely to have Mark Bailey with us this morning from Lee Abbey. Beautiful down there, uh, Mark. How is it? Is it is it a sunny day? Is it all right? It, it was sunny and it's less so now, but it's all good. We can still well, see we, the sea, so praise God. Yeah, absolutely. You can see the sea. Well, thank you so much for um, agreeing to come and uh, be one of our visiting preachers. Uh, you've got not an easy passage. We've been looking in this series about Jesus built his church as he did in Acts. What does that kind of church look like? We've thought about loads of things about its courage and its holiness, but he is one that perhaps is unexpected, a suffering church. From the beginning, we see that in the book of Acts. So over to you to explore this. I'm just going to pray for you, uh, my friend, uh, before you start. That would be wonderful. Thank you. So, sovereign Lord Jesus, King of kings and Lord of all, we just thank you that we have gathered in your name now and that you are right here among us. Thank you that we can meet with you afresh now through your word. And we pray uh, that you would really bless, fill, anoint um, and encourage Mark now as he brings and explores your word with us on this not easy subject. Lord, speak to our hearts, prepare us now. And most of all, just bless and speak through Mark, I ask in Jesus, your precious name. Amen. Amen. All right. Over to you, friend. Brilliant. Thank you. I'm just going to move my screen so I'm seeing myself. There we go. Great. Well, thank you this morning. Thank you for this opportunity to speak. Uh, as Matt says, um, I, was, I was thankful to be asked, but then less thankful slightly for the title, uh, The Suffering Church, continuing in your series of um, Jesus building his church. And yes, it's, it's been really challenging for me is I've come to sort of dig into this. I'm, I'm not an expert on, on these matters. Uh, I'm someone as a Christian who uh, struggles with some of this stuff myself. Um, but yeah, there's some good stuff that I pray that God will speak to us uh, this morning. Um, as people, we, we tend to try and avoid pain and suffering. Uh, we try and protect ourselves from it. We don't like the idea of pain and suffering in our lives, and yet it's part of our human experience, and it certainly was part of the experience of the early church. Um, just as an introduction, we see a real shift happening here um, from Acts 6, verse 8. There's, there's a massive change going on within the early church. Up until now, uh, the mission and the work of the Holy Spirit in the early Christians has, has all been around the Jewish people, it's all come from within the people of Israel themselves. And it's also been restricted to Jerusalem. But now we see there's a huge shift happening. Uh, the church is about to be launched and thrust and sent out, uh, not, not by their own choice, but through persecution and suffering. But it's about to be sent out and to fulfill those words of Acts 1 verse 8 uh, about being sent to Jerusalem, to Judea to Samaria and to the end of the world. And that's what's happening, that Christians are about to be sent. These early followers of Jesus are about to be forced out, pushed out almost into the world. And so their mission geographically shifts, but also to the people that they're reaching out to shifts. Before it was just the Jewish nation. Now it's to the Gentiles, to all people. 
that's the good news message that all people uh, would be saved. That's how we can be here today, listening, hearing God's word, is that his word, the good news of Jesus, has gone out to all people. Um, and that change has happened through a few key events, and we're going to meet three of those key people this week. Uh, we're going to meet Stephen and Philip. Uh, they were the extra seven that were uh, anointed uh, and appointed by the apostles to do the practical ministry. They were the deacons of their time and they were called to to oversee the sort of care of, of those in their neighbourhoods. And then we also meet Saul uh, as a small character just in the background at the moment, but Saul, who we will see, becomes Paul. These three people, and particularly Saul's conversion, sees this global expansion, this massive shift in the church. And all of it comes through suffering, persecution. And so my first point is really that there is a there's a cost to following Jesus. We see that in these passages. There's a cost to following Jesus. Uh, living as a Christian gets a reaction and creates opposition. Um, Stephen, he is chosen initially, like I said, by by the apostles for this role of administration. He's there just in the background going, yeah, I'll, I'll sort out the food bank. Um, I can help care for the widows. I can make sure that all the giving that comes into the church body gets shared fairly. He's a manager. He's an organiser. Uh, he's got that gift of administration. Praise God for those people that, that see things and make things happen. That's that's who Stephen is. And yet he's thrust into the limelight. He's thrust into uh, into this sort of courtroom almost situation. And why is that? Uh, we see that in verse 6, verse 8, that not only is he an administrator, he's also someone who, is by the power of the Holy Spirit, has performed great wonders and signs. He's also um, starting to receive opposition straight away. In verse 9, we start to see that, that opposition arose against Stephen. This guy, he's an administrator. He's a, he's a manager. He's a background person. And yet his faith is so alive and real, uh, and the Spirit is at working him, performing these great wonders, that opposition arises. And so in verse 10, we then start to see um, that they couldn't stand against him. I love this bit. Here's Stephen, this background guy, and yet the spirit was in him. They couldn't speak back against him. He's just full of the spirit, and God gives him the words to speak when opposition comes, as opposition will come as we live for Jesus. And I don't know if you've ever had those kind of moments where uh, You've just found you've had words when maybe opposition has come or challenge has come to your faith. Have you ever had those moments where the Holy Spirit is just at work in your life and you're like, God, I, I haven't got the words, I haven't got the answer, but his spirit speaks through us. Lord God, we, we, we need more of those moments. I need more of those moments in my life where God's spirit speaks through me, that he gives me that boldness and that power, just like Stephen had. As opposition starts to come, as the cost of Jesus is high, the Spirit was at work in his life. And we see there's a pattern in Stephen's persecution and suffering. 
in verse 11, we see that um, others were secretly persuaded to bring words of condemnation against him. Initially, it sounds like they're just having a a discussion, a, a theological debate maybe around how things should be done, what what the temple is like, what, what's been happening in, uh, with the Torah, with the law. Um, but then in verse 12, we see a smear campaign. They they stirred up the people, it says in verse 12. Sometimes it can feel like that in the world, that things are being stirred up and shaken up, that um, you know, fake news and conspiracy theories. And uh, how do we speak into these things as Christians today? The smear campaign continues and they start almost throwing mud uh, at Stephen and sticking things on him that aren't true, that are lies, that are false. And even that that mud, as we see, actually (laughs) isn't just mud that they're throwing at him in this smear campaign, but it ends up being literally throwing rocks and stones as they stone him and kill him. And then they produce false witnesses. And we see that there's a pattern here of uh, twisting the facts false witnesses, smear campaigns. This cycle seems to happen, and and we see it in Jesus' life, don't we, as he's brought before the Sanhedrin, as he's brought before others, before his trial, before his death. And so Stephen experiences the same, just as Jesus was brought before others and lies spoken over him. So Stephen and others, other followers today of Jesus, still experience those lies, those falsities, um, those false witnesses, those smears against his name. If we could just click the next slide, I found a quote by John Stott that says uh, about these sort of techniques of smear and lies. It says, let others use these weapons against us. May we be delivered from resorting to them ourselves. I found that really powerful that sometimes I wonder whether I just retaliate and just uh, speak back and use the same techniques against those that maybe say things that I disagree with. But our prayer would be that we would be like Stephen when when there is opposition, when there is persecution and suffering for what maybe we stand up for. We pray that we wouldn't just use these things back against others, but we would show that same grace and love that Jesus has for those that spoke against him. He remained silent. He was like a lamb before the slaughter. And we need to do the same. So there's a further cost. If we could click again. Um, Thank you. Uh, In Mark 10 it says, Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters, mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, fields, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. Jesus lets us know that there's going to be a cost. He tells his disciples early on that there's a cost to following him. There's a cost. And Stephen knew there was a cost too. He'd been anointed to care practically for others, and yet he was given this opportunity to speak opportunity to share good news with others yes there's a cost jesus says that that we will yeah maybe be rejected maybe be uh, turned against even by our own mother and father um, but god promises to be others jesus knows what it is to suffer and we can be understand him through suffering too
so what opportunities am I getting? Am I being brave like Stephen? Am I just saying, oh, I'm just an administrator, I'm just a background person? Am I prepared to be like Stephen and say yes, to speak up for Jesus? Stephen actually goes on in chapter 7 to speak this amazing sermon, 55 verses. Someone who's not a preacher ends up with this amazing preach. Um, it also says in verse 13, this fellow never stops speaking. You, you might feel that about some preachers. Hopefully not me today, but hopefully you get it. Uh, sometimes we think, oh, you know, these people have got such a fire in their belly. Stephen is anointed by the Holy Spirit and he speaks of the love of Jesus. Who am I being encouraged, being encouraged and maybe even stronger than that, maybe being pushed to go and speak about Jesus to today. Yes, there's a cost. Yes, there's opposition. Stephen shared a message of good news. What message of good news am I sharing today? What is that message of hope and life that I can bring to others? Yes, there's a cost. But yes, there's a great message to share. That's my first point. I could click on again. Thank you. My second point is that, uh, and I find this really hard, and I don't want this to sound glib, but we, I sense that we encounter Jesus in suffering. We meet with Jesus in suffering, and he meets with us. Uh, as I said before, in, in chapter 6, verse 15, Stephen's accused of lying. Uh, he's got all these accusations and lies against him. And the people are beginning to be enraged. And then these amazing things happen. Um, they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Isn't that amazing? That at this point of the most intense pressure, his face shone. We get this uh, imagery of Moses coming down from Mount Sinai with the, with the law. And his face shone as he met with God. Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit. His face shines. He's encountered Jesus. I don't know whether you've ever met people that have that kind of glow about them. We sometimes say, oh, they've got that aura, that wonder around them. But um, I don't think I ever have. But I certainly feel, having lived on community and shared uh, here at Lee Abbey, that we have met people that, that just bring something of Jesus to the community. They bring his life. They bring his servanthood, his uh, his willingness to share their lives. And I guess we all bring a bit of Jesus, bring that glow together when we gather. But Stephen here, his face shone like an angel. Um, Tom Wright describes this shining face as a light illuminating Stephen from the inside. A light illuminating Stephen from the inside. That's my prayer for myself and for, for all of us, that we would know the light of Jesus, this light that shines on a hill, this light that brings hope to the whole world, a light that can illuminate us from the inside. May we encounter Jesus at this point of suffering, in point of need, at this toughest point that Stephen's at, his face glows, he meets Jesus. And I don't understand why that is at the point of this sort of toughest point of suffering that we can know Jesus more but I guess it's because Jesus suffers and so we connect with him 
in his suffering and he is with us. If we could just click again to the next slide. We see a bit more about Stephen. This wasn't in our passage. This is right at the end. Uh, While they were stoning Stephen, he prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he'd said this, he fell asleep. Stephen dies. As he dies, he prays to Jesus and forgives his enemies. We relate to Jesus in suffering. Stephen, as he is dying, speaks out and echoes the words of Jesus as he was dying, forgiving his enemies. Stephen is imitating Jesus. He's given the strength by his spirit to be like Jesus at that point of death. He encounters Jesus as he dies and he prays for forgiveness for those around him. Quite incredible way that he he does die. And I guess we, like Stephen, we can know Jesus in suffering. Jesus experienced shame. He experienced pain. He experienced the suffering of the cross. And so we shouldn't be surprised that we suffer too and that the church suffers. Jesus calls us to follow him and to take up our cross. That's going to be tough, isn't it? He says, come, follow me. And I think sometimes maybe I've sanitised following Jesus. I've tried to smooth it out, maybe make it less painful, uh, make it less about suffering and persecution. I've maybe made the gospel uh, more comfortable, more bearable. Um, Please hear me here that I'm not saying that God makes us suffer. But what I do believe is that when we suffer, God knows what it is like. Jesus has been there. Jesus has been to the cross for me and for you. He knows what pain and isolation is like. And so he meets us in this place of suffering. He gives us his spirit. He gives us his peace when we suffer. Click the next slide. I just want to share a little bit about um, why I've chosen this image. You, you might recognise it. I think it, it was originally from a, a sort of famous artist that pretty much spent their whole life painting pictures of Jesus' face. Uh, but this this face is, as you can probably tell, a collage of other pictures. And um, this was created, um, and it's hanging up here at Lee Abbey. It was created by families and children and the Liabi community together a couple of summers ago. And um, each of the children and the, and the family and the parents made a square that you can see on the screen. And they had a small bit of the, the picture, but they couldn't see the big picture. But they each took away their little bit. And um, on the last evening when we gathered together, uh, all of these paintings all of these pictures were stuck together and hung on the wall and um, we did a big reveal as we sat on the floor in a circle and we pulled down the sheet and we saw this face and the kids faces like whoa that's amazing there's there's my bit I can see my bit or oh why is that I can't oh and then they suddenly stood back and it's like is that is that Jesus is that the face of Jesus 
they saw the face of Jesus. It was one of the most special moments that I had the privilege of being part of in my time here at Lee Abbey. What made it more special was that each of these families had experienced suffering, they had experienced brokenness. Um, each of these families had experienced loss. One of their family members had died and each of these families had come together and were working through what it means to, to be at loss or to be bereaved. And as we talked together, these families started to see that out of their brokenness, out of their suffering, uh, something beautiful had emerged. This beautiful face of Jesus, this slightly distorted, twisted face of Jesus, but something special, something beautiful. And then we paused and we shared communion and remembered the broken, brokenness of Jesus, his broken body, his poured out blood. We meet Jesus through suffering and he meets with us in ours. I don't understand it. I don't get the, the mystery of it, but I know that he is Jesus. Jesus is God with us and he is with us. He is with you, whatever you are experiencing today. And these words of Psalm 91 have resonated uh, with me lots during this last year. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. May God be with us in our suffering. And if we can just click on to my last point. One thing I learned from this passage is that we need to be praying for the body of Christ. Um, I can feel overwhelmed and inadequate quite often. I don't know what to pray. Thank you for those prayers earlier for the persecuted church. There are great resources out there and I need to use them more. But I think there's some things we can learn from this passage. If we just click again, you'll see uh, the characteristics of Stephen. These are things that we can pray for, for the persecuted church. Uh, they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Verse 8, now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. We can pray for this combination, for those that are suffering, those that are persecuted. We can pray for grace and power. Uh, sometimes they seem opposite. Grace seems sort of soft and caring and, and just able to re receive things. Uh, and power seems like it's really out there. But I love the fact that Stephen has grace and power. And he has a fierce faith, a fierce faith that eventually gets him killed. But we need to pray that God would you give grace and power and a fierce faith to those that are suffering for the name of Jesus. And click again, please. And we also meet Philip, this other servant of the early church and it says this uh, from verse chapter 8 verse 4 those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there when the crowds heard Philip and they saw the signs he performed they all paid attention to what he said for with shrieks impure spirits came out of many 
and many who were paralysed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in the city. I love that last phrase. There was great joy in the city. Philip is going. He's been scattered. He's a refugee. He's on the road. He's on the road. He's on the move. He's running for his life. And yet he preaches the word wherever he goes. He goes to Samaria, the despised people, those that are seen as outcasts the enemies of the Jews, and yet he proclaims Jesus to them, fulfilling the prophecy of going to the ends of the earth. In verse 6 and 7, we see that miracles are performed, and there's healing both physically and spiritually, and then there was great joy. We need to pray uh, for the persecuted church, for the body of Christ, that they would know that wherever they are scattered, that the word of God would be preached that the good news of Jesus would go wherever they go, and that it would go even to the despised people, the Samaritan people. I wonder who those Samaritan people would be today. Who are those despised, those outcast group of people? It might not be a country. It might be a, uh, yeah, different groups of people that we see as being outside of God's love. But God longs that all people would know him. Maybe we're being led like Philip, uh, to cross our street, to cross the office, uh, to cross the classroom and speak to those people amongst us who are maybe despised by others. We're going to continue to pray that God's word would go out, that miracles would happen and that those that are suffering would know great joy in all they do. You could click, please. And this is... Uh, a well-known verse from 1 Corinthians 12. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. We are the body of Christ. And if you click to the next slide, you'll see uh, a map taken from Open Doors. This map shows uh, those areas in the world that are experiencing the most extreme persecution. And you'll see the top five countries there that Matt mentioned earlier. 340 million Christians around the world are being persecuted for their faith. If we are brothers and sisters in Christ, we need to pray for them. We need to hold them. We need to give to them. We need to invest in them. When one part suffers, so does the others. I'd love to tell you some stories about uh, some of the friends I've been had the privilege to meet from Pakistan, but um, yeah, time is slipping away. But I, yeah, pray for these nations, pray for these people that are suffering. And then click again. Just to finish now, there's a kind of mystery in all of this that we see as well. Um, we see uh, from Genesis 50, you intended. This is, sorry, give us some context. This is um, Joseph speaking to his brothers after his father has died. And he's saying to his brothers, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. There's this incredible mystery that out of suffering, out of persecution, um, somehow God can turn it for good. We sometimes sing and we might use the song, you know, what the enemy uses for evil, you turn it for good. Um, as Paul is stood there, oh, sorry, as Saul is stood there approving Stephen's killing, 
Um, he goes on to try and destroy the church, and yet what God uses Saul through that amazing conversion and uses it for good. God, would you would you do good for the suffering church? Would you do good for the persecuted church? We pray for them. We pray that God, you would bring good out of evil, out of things that are not right, that are not how you intend them. God, we pray. And so my last slide is a little summary. Things for us to maybe go away and chew over a little bit. There's lots in this. Please read chapter 7 as well to get a real sense of uh, Acts 7, what God is doing in this early church. But my three points have been, there is a cost to following Jesus. There's a cost. And yet we are called to take up our cross and follow him. And so we have op- pray for opportunities to share this good news, this good news of Jesus, this costly good news. Let's pray that we would have opportunities tomorrow to share this good news with those around us. And also we continue to pray for those who are suffering right now. Maybe you know of people that are suffering. May they know Jesus in this suffering. May they find Jesus. Jesus who went to the cross for each of us. May they know him. And lastly, as a body of Christ, we need to pray for the church. We need to really pray. We need to pray that they would know grace and power. They would see miracles. That we would know too the power of the cross. That we would reach out to the lost, the despised, those in need, those that are suffering. We lift up the church. Thank you. Thanks for your time.